Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast today. I hope you enjoy it. But first, I want to ask you a question. Are you someone who has high upside potential in your business and yet sometimes that goal is just hard to get to and maybe the only way you've seen to get to it is just to make more calls, you know, work harder? Well, if you're fed up with using old strategies to solve new problems, then I might have a solution. It's my five-day million-dollar seller challenge. We meet one hour a day in a coaching intensive where I will teach you five moves that you can make to scale your results without working harder. To learn more, click the link in the show notes or go to milliondollarsellerchallenge.com. Hey everybody, Bill Kasky back at the Bill Kasky podcast. Delighted to have you with me today. Here we are entering the last month of the year in 2021. You're probably listening to this well beyond the first week of December, but that's where we are. And it's that time of year where we look out to the next 12 months and start to plan and think and ruminate about what's possible for next year and what will life look like a year from now. I think it's a really healthy time to do that. But I'm going to talk today about something that is uh, near to my heart, and I see it in a lot of people, and that's this notion of getting stuck. Stuck in in the mud, kind of where we are in life and in our business, and I think what we've been through the last couple of years is a is a you know kind of a cause of this feeling of stuckness and by stuckness I don't mean you're failing this is not about failing out of a business this is really about you being in a place where you might be emotionally or mentally stuck just not doing your best work and I want to share a few stories and and uh, talk a little bit about how we get here because I've studied it because I get stuck and I might even be stuck right now I don't, you know, it's hard to tell when you're, when you're in the stickness, stuckness, whether we really are stuck or not. But I want to talk to you about that today. So if you uh, have not heard much about me, you can go to BillKasky.com. Plenty of free stuff there. Also, we're going to be spinning up another high achiever group next year. If you have any interest in uh, learning more about that, go to BillKasky.com. Very top banner. There's a little wait list link. So get on that and we'll talk more about that later. This whole idea of stuckness, I think we're sometimes a little afraid to admit it. And I've talked to a lot of people over the last six months to a year that are in this position at various stages of just, just I'm okay. You know, I'm earning good money and I feel good about my chances and my opportunities, but it's not what I really want to be doing or want to be having or who I want to be. It's, we're a little bit off. And again, there's no shame in this at all. I think, in fact, it's very healthy to admit to yourself and to another human being, maybe, uh, what you're feeling. Because it's only then that we can start to separate ourselves from our thoughts. You may be thinking, I'm stuck, but until you give it voice then it remains part of you and, and, and it ends up being kind of part of your identity. Well, I'm just the guy who is stuck. And I don't think that's helpful. So I think the more we talk about it and get it out into the, into the atmosphere and we talk to another human being about it, I really do think it relieves some pressure and allows us some space to look at, well, why is that? Versus I'm the guy who's stuck. It's like, well, I'm having feelings of stuckness. Why don't I investigate and explore that? And I think that's a much healthier way to be. Uh, 
So let's start at the beginning. You know, when we were born, we are open to inputs, sensory inputs, voice, sounds, visuals, kinesthetic touches, and we go through our young life getting impressions. Some of those leave a mark and some don't. Most don't. Uh, Whether it leaves a mark on us or not is dependent, I believe, on a level of groundedness while we're going through it. So if somebody rejects us, whether maybe we're on a date or maybe we ask somebody for something or we, uh, you know, we're inquisitive and we get turned down or rejected, that probably doesn't have much impact on us unless we are going through some very difficult times where we don't feel our worth as much anyway. And then we get hit with this rejection. I think it leaves a little bit more of a mark. But again, we're not talking about massive marks here. Now, if you lose a parent or a sibling or there's a tremendous trauma in our lives, of course, I don't know how we are ever so grounded that trauma doesn't affect us. But let's just assume for a moment that we're not talking about that kind of trauma, even though I'm not discounting it at all. In fact, it's extremely important. I'm talking about more just the day-to-day impressions. So as we start to, uh, as these things start to leave marks on us, we develop a form of identity. And it's not just color of skin identity or the culture we're brought up in. It's just most of our identity is based on the marks left on us early in our lives. And there are There are experts and scientists who say by the time you're 14 years old, you've kind of been through the alpha and the theta and the beta state, and you're kind of formed. And and I've heard that. I've heard, you know, psychologists say that give me a child until they're 14 and you won't ever have to worry about them again because they'll have the values correct. They'll be formed properly. They won't be tempted with gangs or with, with decisions that are not good for them. So I think the, the challenge there is that as we leave the comfort of the education system and we go out to go to work, uh, we don't really notice our identities or our beliefs or, or our perspective of the world. Uh, the ancients all suggested, and you've heard this before, know thyself, which means know who you are. And I don't think we spent much time understanding our self. A little bit, but when's the last time you devoted hours or days or weeks to a study of self, not just academic self, but you and me and what we believe and what we want in our life and how we form our opinions and how we make our decisions? I just don't think we do that enough. And so then we get into the business world and we think, well, we need to accumulate knowledge. We need to get more knowledge. And part of that comes from our education system. But even when we get into business, we want more, more product knowledge, more customer knowledge, 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 knowledge. And the question is, what do we do with that knowledge? And the problem is that we are going against when we're, when we, we know what we should do, but we don't do it. And I think we've all been in that state. I've been there. I, I'm there all the time. You know, oh boy, I need to do a need to do a Thursday podcast instead of just a Monday. I need to bump up the episode. I need to interview more people. Uh, and then I don't do it. I have to. I ask myself, well, wait a minute. If it was not a good idea, you wouldn't have said I need to do that. So let's presume that 
our intuition is that if there's a good idea that crosses our mind, we need to do it. Why don't we do it? Well, it's because that it is outside of our identity. The beliefs that we have and the opinions that we've accumulated over the years are incongruent with that action. So here's an example. I've got a a group of people that I work with. These are high achievers, 150K and above. And half of the people in that group are getting really good on video, on LinkedIn and doing video and, and carving out editing and things like that. And half the group is not. And that half the group is not good at video. They are good at other things. But some of those people typically say, and this, is, this goes for all of my clients, say, yeah, I need to do more video. I want to do more. I know it's going to help me. But the excuse then is, I don't have the time. Or I don't look good on camera. Or I don't have the right lighting. Or I don't have the right camera. Or I don't know what to say. I mean, you know, you've, we've used all the excuses. Believe me, I've used all the excuses. The question is, is what is going on in our belief system that is holding us back and keeping us from this thing that we say we want to do? And old belief systems that have been with us for decades always went out. They always do. I can come to you and show you a new way to prospect, a new way to generate more leads, a new way to close, a new way to usher people through the sales process that I know works because I've seen it work decades. I've seen it work a lot because it, it deals with human nature. You've heard about a lot of it on this podcast. And yet, I will have someone who's failing out of the business of selling still won't use my method because it goes against their belief. That was the question is, well, what, what beliefs could that possibly go against? Well, maybe one belief is the belief that I deserve to be successful. There might be a cap on income. There might be this belief that I don't want to get too successful because I'm, then I'm taking it away from somebody else. It could be a belief that, well, you know, I'm, my family has trained me not to be more successful than my parents. So, you know, I know I should do video, but I'm afraid what that might do. I know that you say, oh, that's a, come on, that's a long shot. Eh, there's might be some sabotage going on. So when we are taught something that goes against our belief systems, our old belief systems always went out. Think about cold calling. I mean, we were taught early. I was taught early. Don't bother busy people. Don't bother your dad when he's busy. Don't, don't uh, interrupt people when they're in thought or, or don't, just don't bother people. And yet cold calling is exactly that. We might have been taught not to talk to strangers. We were taught not to talk about money. And so now when I come along as your coach and say, you need to figure out what's the financial impact of a prospect not working with you. So yes, therefore, you're going to ask, have to ask about money and finances and economics and dollars. And if you've been taught not to do that, it's going to be really hard for you. And I see this all the time in, in sales professionals where we're just so reluctant to talk about money. And I find that when we can talk about it elegantly, we demystify it. Because at some point, the prospect knows that they're going to have to pay something. They know that. The worst thing they can do and you can do to them is make them wait and think about it and conjure up ideas and, oh, my gosh, am I going to have the money? That's not even fair. So I say come out with money early. And now money is not just the money that they're going to pay for your solution or product. The money is also what's it costing them not to have the solution. So there's two sides of money. Anyway, I digress. 
So a coach like me comes along when you get stuck in your life and it doesn't mean you're failing, as I said, it just means that you see more than you have the ability to get to. You see what's possible in your business life, but you don't have the direct A to B path to get there. Here, here's a story of a, um, of a guy, one of my favorite clients. He came to me a couple of years ago. He was about 60 years old, uh, good income, wanted more, wanted more business, needed to figure out a way to, to remodel his business, but he struggled to change his actions. He knew he needed to do something different, but again, his beliefs, his old beliefs won out. So if I'm asked to come in and fix a thing, and I don't mean fix a person because I don't think we're broken, so fixing is not the factor there, but I want, I'm asked to come in and change things, one of the things I always want to know is, what am I up against? Not what am I up against in terms of the person that I'm coaching, but what am I up against in terms of their beliefs about themselves? It's got nothing to do with the integrity of the person or the will or the want, or the goals, or the dreams. It's what am I fighting in terms of their original beliefs, in terms of their their identity, who they see themselves to be. So one of the things that I like to do is start with what is your ideal outcome? And this is a very difficult question. It sounds so simple, but it's basically what do you want out of this life? What do you want out of your business life? What is your ideal outcome? What, however you choose to frame that question, it's a wonderful question because it puts you out in the future three, four, five, ten years. I don't like to go any more than ten. I think that's a, a bit much today. I know there's people that say twenty-five year goals. Eh, come on, man! I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow, let alone twenty-five years from now. But I do think the idea of starting to document that. And most people can't tell you that, and that's okay. It's not unusual. We've never been taught to think that way. In fact, we've been taught not to. Don't dream. It's a pipe dream. You stay in the present. We hear a lot about the present moment now. Well, does that mean I can't dream? Does that mean I can't plan what's going on 10 years from now or three years or what I want? I'm, I'm conflicted here. You tell me to stay in the present, and then you tell me to dream. I don't know where. I think you can do both. So what can you do? I'll be back in a minute with some tips. Bill Kasky back at the Bill Kasky podcast. We're in the middle of talking about how to get unstuck and how to think about yourself in a different way. And uh, I wanted to share some tips with you. Number one, uh, my question here is, what is your ideal outcome? And I think, number one, we need to develop a habit of stream of consciousness bullet points, a list of what's possible. So the stream of consciousness part part is just, and I've done this several times and, and had some clients work through, it's very useful. Uh, just start with a piece of paper. You can do it on online or you can do it on your computer, but piece of paper is probably better and just bullet point list. What are some op opportunities and possibilities for you? So if you're, let's say you're in the uh, dental, dental market right now and you're calling on dentists 
and you're selling capital equipment. I'm just, I, I know we have a lot of dental people in our audience. You're calling on uh, Dennis and, and you're looking at the future and say, well, you know, I could expand my territory. Uh, that might be a bullet pointed list. I could um, change companies. I could find a company where I could sell more stuff to the same people. I could start a newsletter that where I interviewed Dennis. I could start a podcast that would put me on the map now with all my territory. And let's say you do three or four states. I could, I could create a video series on uh, proper dentistry where I interviewed people. Not that you'd have to know it all, but you, you could interview experts. Um, you could do webinar series on how dentists can be better business people and better salespeople and better marketers. Uh, you could charge for that. So you could have a thousand dentists paying you $10 a month or $20 a month to be a part of some kind of membership group. I mean, there's a lot of different things. I've just, I just ran those off stream of consciousness, but you need to think about for you, what's possible. What's possible. Don't edit. Don't edit yourself. Just list those, list those out. Number two, wait a few days, go back and delete those that don't make your juices flow. You'll know. That's an easy thing. Go back after a couple of days and start marking off. Eh, yeah, that was that was a weird idea. Did I did I write that down there? Was that me? Some gremlin get in here and grab my pencil and my type style and write. No. So you got to find things on that list. But that's the whole idea because point number twenty two on that list may be a killer idea. You may come back to that in in a couple of days, and the first ten things mean nothing. But then you get into the depth, into the deep, into the depth of idea creation and iteration, and you might find something way down that list that really attracts you. Number three, keep five to seven things that inspire you. So you got a list of twenty. You're going to cut out thirteen. You're going to keep seven, and I want you to start to focus on those seven now. The fourth step here is that you're going to have to list the mindset shifts that you must embrace for you to accomplish these things. Because a lot of times what happens is we list our our bucket list out, our vision, our ideal outcome, and then we immediately go back to our current thinking, which won't allow us to get there. So part of this is to get enough separation between you and your thinking and your beliefs and you might need a coach for this. And I'm, I'm not, this is not a pitch for my coaching, but you might need a coach. You might need somebody to sit down with you and work you through that, a, a therapist or a coach. Because if you start to explore new ways of thinking, you're going to run up against this old belief model where it's just impossible for you to do these five to seven things because your beliefs won't allow you to. So the goal here is to be rigorously honest about what beliefs you currently hold that might be holding you back. Number five, develop a one-year plan where you put those mindsets and beliefs into action, the new mindsets, the new beliefs into action. I like to have a, a sheet of paper. I've got, uh, I use Canva and I just go there and I print off what are my beliefs this month that I need to change? What are my mindsets that I need to adopt or embrace? And just design it. There's tons of designs there. Just And go to FedEx, have it printed off in color, put it in front of you. I suggest you do a different mindset each month. So all you have to do is just when you get to your office or get to your desk where your computer is, just look at the mindsets that you want to shift this month. Even that 
will start to help you be more mindful when you do start to fall back into those old beliefs. You can even write them on an index card, four by six index card, have it at your bedside. Maybe just what is the one mindset or two mindsets you need to shift this month? Just write them down there. Just remind yourself. Do it before you go to bed at night. It's a good time to let your mind start to ruminate on those things. So I hope this will help you get unstuck. I love the stream of consciousness bullet-pointed list. I think that's really powerful. Again, wait a few days. Go back and delete those that are not juiceful. Number three, keep the five to seven things that inspire you. Then list the mindset shifts that you're going to need to adopt or jettison. Some beliefs we have just to get rid of and then develop a one-year plan around that. So I hope that's helped you today. I know this was a little bit longer episode than what we're used to. But I do think that this getting unstuck is a huge thing, and I hope this helps. Go to BillKasky.com. I will talk to you next time. Bye.